Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lewis. Praise the Lord. Father, these songs are not just songs we sing. These are songs that we sing in our heart. And we believe and we want to praise you all the day long, Lord. Not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday night or Thursday night, but all day long, all week long, 24-7, 365 and a quarter days a year. Lord, we want to praise you because you are worthy. You're worthy to be praised, Lord God. We bow our hearts before you because you're the King of kings. And we say, along with Thomas, my Lord and my God. So we praise you, Father. We invite your Holy Spirit here, Lord, as we dig into your word. And Lord God, that we would become grown-up soldiers of Christ as we, as we um, learn more of you day by day. To you be the glory, Lord. May Freedom Church always praise your holy name. May we always invite the Holy Spirit to come in. And may we always walk by faith and not by sight. In the name of your, your Son, your only begotten Son, our Lord and our Savior, our God and our Deliverer. In his name, Father, we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you, church. You, know, you may be seated for those who are standing up and worship of the Lord. Praise God. Genesis chapter 24. This is the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. It's not the longest in the Bible. Of course, you know that Psalm 119 is. Um, but this is the longest chapter in Genesis. I'm hoping we can get through it tonight. But if not, we'll, you know, there's enough here to, to spend a couple Sundays on with no problem. Um, it is similar to chapter 22 that we studied a few weeks ago when Abraham was told to take Isaac up into the mountain, his only begotten son, up into the mountains that God would show him, which is the mountains of Moriah, which is also the mountains that run through Jerusalem. So we see that that was a, a typology. A typologies are written all through the Old Testament so that you can get what God is doing is he is painting a picture of his son, of the Holy Spirit, and of himself as we move through the, through the Old Testament. Now, the Old Testament apostles, not apostles, but prophets and priests, they, they didn't have the picture that we have. We can look back and see the association. We can, we can look back and see the typology. We can look back and see the, the, uh, the uh, paintings that the Lord is painting, the parallels within the Old Testament that point to one man, one man throughout history, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ from Genesis 315 to Revelation. Actually, actually, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3. You remember I showed you in the beginning was, in the beginning, uh, God created. There's the Father. The whole, the Spirit was hovering over the face of the water, and there's the Spirit. And then the third verse, and God said, there's Jesus, because Jesus is the Word of God. So don't tell me 
that, you know, you don't see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God made sure you could see it for the first three verses in Genesis. From Genesis 1, 3, all the way to the end of the Bible, you're going to see Jesus, and all through the Old Testament. Well, this is a typology in chapter 24, 25, and 26. Okay, these three chapters, it comes, beautiful picture of, of a typology. And what is a typology? A typology is an Old Testament event. Listen to me, an Old Testament event that, that demonstrates a New Testament truth. An Old Testament event that demonstrates a New Testament truth. And you know how I like to say all the time, you, you know, this is, there's a Bible story about David and Goliath. There's a Bible story about, about uh, Jonah and the whale. No, they are not stories. They are truths. They're true. Jesus even acknowledged that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. He even acknowledged David. You know, these are truths. They're not stories. So this chapter is a typology along with the next two to follow. Old Testament events that demonstrate a New Testament truth. And what is the New Testament truth that, that it demonstrates? It demonstrates that Jesus receives the church as his bride. And what is the Old Testament event? Isaac takes a bride. You know that we, the church, are the what of Christ? The bride of Christ. Today you're going to see Rebecca. She is taken by Eleazar, the servant, to the son who is Isaac. And who initiated this? The father, Abraham. So you see Abraham as a type of father. You see Isaac as a type of son. You see Rebecca as a type of church, the bride. You see Eleazar, the servant, which is Abraham's oldest and, what can I say, dependable servant of all. His name is Eleazar, and it means God is my helper. And guess what? Eleazar is the helper here. He is representation of the Holy Spirit. So we see the Father with Son, we see the Holy Spirit, and we see the Bride of Christ in these next three chapters coming up. You see beautiful pictures that God is painting for us in the Old Testament. As an artist, before I was a pastor, you know, I, I, um, I appreciate art. You know, God's painting a picture for us. And uh, it's a scroll, and it's very long. He's painted the Old Testament or already for us, and now he's painting the New Testament for us. When something happens in your life that you don't like, be sure God will finish it. He will finish that painting. And it's going to be the most beautiful painting that you've ever seen in your life. And then we'll understand why certain things happen. So, an Old Testament event that demonstrates a New Testament truth, and the New Testament truth demonstrated here is Isaac the only begotten son of Abraham gets and receives his bride. Drawn out by Eleazar, the helper, okay, God is my help. Drawn out of the world by the helper. And what happened? Abraham is the father. He's the one that initiated this whole thing. 
So let's read the first nine verses of uh, uh, Genesis chapter 24. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now Abraham was old, verse 1, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over that which he had, Please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you a make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a bride for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back here. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from your oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham and made and swore to him concerning this matter. So Abraham needs a son. You remember last chapter, Sarah died. She was 127 years old. The only woman whose age is recorded in the Bible that when she died, never given the age on any other woman except Sarah. He's sending his servant, the chief servant in his house, whose name means helper, to his own country where he came from. And you remember where he came from? Ur, Iraq, Iraq. Let me tell you something about Iraq. Iraq is where the Garden of Eden was. Did you know that Mesopotamia is also the cradle of Iraq? Did you know that Noah built the ark in Iraq? The Tower of Babel was in Iraq. Jacob and Rachel met in Iraq. Assyria is Iraq. We read them in the Bible. Jonah preached in Iraq. And it goes on and on. Amos cried out from Iraq. Daniel was in the lion's den in Iraq. Iraq's a very important part of biblical history. The wise men, guess where they came from? Iraq. It's important. Nebuchadnezzar, what? Iraq. Assyria is Iraq. In the Bible. In Revelation, Iraq is called Babylon. So Iraq is, is, is second to Israel in the, in the entire Bible. Abraham sends his oldest servant, and what's he send him to do? Go get a bride. God the Father, what did he send his servant to do? The Holy Spirit, the helper, to go get a bride for Christ. See, you were called into the church by the Holy Spirit of God. And this is a picture of God sending the Spirit, His helper, out into the world 
to draw the bride out. I know when I became a believer, the Holy Spirit was definitely there. I felt him all over the place. And, and he put a revelation in me that Jesus Christ was Lord and there was no other and there never will be any other. It was the Holy Spirit that drew each and every one of us to Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. So God, you know, the Father, saying Abraham, is a type of God the Father who sends the servant, the Holy Spirit, the helper, to draw a bride out of the world for Christ. That's cool, isn't it? And you know what Jesus said in John 15, 16, right? But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you, which is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Picture, picture there what Jesus is saying. What does the Holy Spirit do? He testifies of Jesus, doesn't he? The Holy Spirit's only job is to testify to the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, in this day and age, he's the operation. But his job is to testify of Christ. He's the operation of the Father, but he testifies of the Son. Isn't that cool? I don't know if you guys get excited, but I get excited over this stuff. You know, this is, this is good stuff. God is amazing. He has painted pictures all through the Old Testament for us. It's amazing. Verse 4. Go to my family and take a wife. Abraham didn't want a, uh, a wife from the Canaanites. You know, Canaanites were idol worshipers. So were those in Iraq. But they were part of his family. He wanted a, he wanted a son from his, his uh, family. I mean, he wanted a, a bride for his family. He probably learned from the Hagar experience that Abraham, his father, had. And he, that was a no-no. He jumped into the flesh. You know, he's drawing from his own family, and that's, uh, you know, that's what we are. We are now his family, whether you know it or not. He didn't want any foreign women. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Because you are called out. You're a special people that proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the light. Isn't that amazing? Abraham forbids Isaac to leave Canaan. That's verse 6. Do not take my son back to Iraq or Ur. Do not take him. You're going to leave him here. You know, Isaac isn't seen in this chapter until Rebekah sees him from a distance. He's not seen at all. I'm going to show you some parallels that you're really going to like, I, I believe. Okay? Isaac never leaves the border of Canaan. Verse 8, if the woman is not willing to come to you, you will be released. This is a beautiful verse for those evangelists and believers that are out trying to win people to Christ. Because you are not responsible as a preacher or a teacher or, an, or a Christian that plants seeds in people's life. You are not responsible if they say no. This is what Abraham is telling the Holy Spirit, Eliezer, as a representation of the Holy Spirit. If the woman will not come with you, you are released from, that, from that, uh, this bond. So same with you. When you go out and preach to people and they don't agree with you and they won't accept Christ, you, you are, are, 
you're not responsible. It's there then that they're responsible. And you've got to remember, when you witness and people don't um, respond to you, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a far, far worse thing to do. Three things the servant is not responsible here in the eighth verse. He's not he, he is responsible to testify of the Son. And we, the bride of Christ, are responsible in this world to testify of the Son. That means each one of us have to have an evangelistic side to us. You may not be an evangelist, but you are to evangelize. The servant is to testify to the Son, and so are we. The woman is free to reject that one that you want to hopefully would become a bride of Christ along with you. You know, if she rejects, you're not responsible if they reject. Number three, the servant is not responsible for rejection. I said that again. I got that down twice. The woman is not responsible, and neither is the servant if they don't respond. Because you're bearing good news. You've got good news that's too good to be true for this world. So good to be true in this world that they don't even want to receive it. They can't believe for one minute that by grace you're saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works that any man should boast. You didn't do anything to get to heaven. God just had mercy on you and you received it. And you received his grace. God's riches as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special people, because you received it. By grace you're saved through your faith. I show you the faith of Rebecca as we get to the end of this chapter, too. The same today. The Spirit testifies of the sons. Also, you're to testify of the Son. A man is free to receive or reject, but as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. That's the Apostle John, chapter 1, verse 12. And even, even Stephen, Stephen, he told the Jews, he said, listen, you're a stick-necked people. You, you're always rejecting the Holy Spirit. You know, there's people out there that are rejecting the Holy Spirit. You know, and I did it myself. I did it myself. Rejected the Holy Spirit for a time until I God showed me I can't. Uh, there's no way to escape. There's no way to escape. You either you're going to run into me, Joe, everywhere you go. So you're free to reject. I'll tell you. You give your life to Jesus, and you'll never go wrong. I can guarantee you that. I'll guarantee you that, and the Word of God guarantees you that, and that's a whole lot better than me. Number three, the Spirit's not responsible for man's rejection, and neither are you. Man's rejection of the Jesus Christ is actually blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You know, the difference between those in heaven and those in hell is one thing. Rejection, rejection or rejection or acceptance. It's the only difference. Listen, there's a lot of good people in hell, whether you know it or not, because they still rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that's hard to believe, and people won't accept it, but it's true. The Bible's very clear. 
There's none righteous in this world, not even one. Though our, though our, our rags are closes as filthy rags before the Lord. We need the righteousness of Christ to get us to heaven. The difference between accepting and rejecting is, is, is the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you accepted or rejected him, and that is it. You don't have to become this holy roller that goes, goes to Brazil and Africa and, and, and Cayman Islands or wherever to go preach the gospel. You just got to receive and then follow the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. And let me remind you, God will not tell you uh, anything bad to do. He gives only good gifts to his children. You being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How, how much more will the Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? If you ask for a loaf of bread, he's not going to give you a scorpion. It's just the way it is. I will do all good things for my children. And I'm just a sinful man. Think about this. God's going to do good for you. God's a good God. We say it all the time in this church. God is good. And usually the church responds is, how do they respond? All the time. That's right. That's right. All the time, God is good. God did his part. He sent his son. Man must do his part, receive the son. By the time we get to Rebecca, she's going to receive the son. You know the story, so I'm telling you. She's going to receive the son. The servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham to honor the, the oath that he's taking. It was a binding agreement. This oath was a binding agreement by having his, his hand under his thigh. God made an oath with this world. And it was to draw a bride for his son out of the world. Here's what Ephesians 3, one, uh, 3 and 4 says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, in love with his Son. I might add to clarify that. Our position, our position rests on God's oath to take a son, take a bride out of this world, and you are the bride if you receive Christ as your Savior. The servant or the Holy Spirit or Eliezer's commission is very clear. It's very well defined. Get a bride for my son. And that is the Holy Spirit's job in this world today, to pull a bride out for a son. He's been doing it since Jesus was crucified on the cross. And he will continue to do it until the death is the last enemy that will be thrown into the lake of fire. Because even in the millennium, people are going to reject or receive Christ as their Savior. Genesis chapter uh, 24, verses 10 through 21. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for his master's goods were in his hand. And he rose and went to Mesopotamia, that's Iraq, to the city of Nahor, which is Abraham's brother, Nahor. Remember, he had another brother, Har Haran, who died. 
And that was Lot's father, and Abraham kind of took him in. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at evening time, and the, the time when women go out and draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. You notice that this is a prayer? This is a prayer. The servant is praying a prayer. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for me, your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And it happened before he had finished speaking. And behold, Rebekah, who was born of Bethel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor. Sound familiar? Abraham's brother. Abraham's brother, he even says it there, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful, and behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please, let me drink a little water from your pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Now, that's an answer to Abraham's, to Nahor, or to the whole Eliezer's prayer. Then the pitcher, then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trowel and drew for all his camels. Next, next verse. And the man wondered in, at her remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Okay, here the Abrahams sent his servant to Mesopotamia. Let me tell you something. That's not like walking from here to the Publix down here at Congress and High, and, uh, High Paluxo. Going to Mesopotamia is a 500 to 600 mile distance. It took eight to ten days to travel that far. These camels were thirsty. When they begin, when their hump begins to sag, you know that they are they are thirsty. Okay, now the camel can go about eight days without water. He can drink. A camel can drink twenty-seven gallons of water. One camel. There's ten camels in this group. Ten camels. It can lose about a 225 pounds body weight as the, as the water subsides out of his hump. The hump is full of fat deposit. The hump will slant sideways when the camel gets thirsty. So the servant is there with his camels. He call, he's called out by the Lord. Um, he called out to the Lord, and the Lord answered exactly what he prayed for. That's important for you to know that God answers and he answers immediately. He answers immediately. You have to reach up into the spiritual realm and pull it into the worldly realm, the world's realm. Now, in Daniel's case, it took 21 days for the prayer to, to the answer to come through. 
But Daniel wasn't aware, and even in the Old Testament, most of them are not aware of, of um, demonic forces holding things back. Now, Daniel got a quick lesson. Men, men weren't even, didn't even have authority over evil forces in the Old Testament. We had no authority. In the New Testament, we do have authority over evil forces. Um, let's see. So he prayed, and it was answered immediately. It was answered so immediately that in verse 21 it says here, And the man, this is Eliezer, wondered at her, remained silent. He was like, wow, my prayer's answered? Is this my prayer answered? So he has to know whether the Lord has made his journey prosperous. But there's still some things that need to be done. Okay? Um, the servant prays because he's in a difficult position. He's faced with this difficulty of his mission. The first thing he does is pray. When you're faced with a difficult and put into a difficult position, first thing you need to do is pray. If you've been knocked out, if you've been persecuted, and, and the enemy has knocked you off your feet, and you're laying flat on your face, the first thing you do is you get up on your knees, and you pray. He prays for success. And don't any one of us in this room underestimate prayer. Don't ever underestimate it. It may not look like the Lord hears, but He hears. Matter of fact, the Scriptures are very clear. He hears before it even comes out of your mouth. He knows what's in your heart. God knows it. Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. Isaiah 65, 24 says this, It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer and while they are still speaking, I will hear. Yeah, the scripture are full of this kind of stuff. God hears from the very beginning. Don't, don't ever think that he don't hear. Even if you're in a trial situation and it looks really bad, God has heard your prayer and he will break through. What is important to God is timing. Timing has to be right. And we as Christians and believers know that God seems to be the God of the 12th, the 11th hour and 59th second or minute. You know what I mean? He seems to be always last. But you know what? Be patience. Patience is a virtue that, that actually, uh, if you stay patient, it will force any deception to reveal itself if you're patient. Patience is a weapon that will force deception to reveal itself. You believe that? It will. Be patient. And you'll learn a few things. So what does he do? He puts out a fleece. You see, you know, remember, remember, um, what's his name put out a fleece? Gee, how come I can't think of his name? Uh, the judge of Israel, Gideon. He put out a fleece, remember? It was to be, he was going to put out a fleece, and one day it should be wet in the morning, and the next day he put it out, and it was supposed to be dry in the morning, and it happened that way. Well, he puts out a fleece. He says, the first woman... When I see her, I say to her, give a drink. And she says, I'll give you a drink and your camels also. And that's exactly what Rebecca said. That's exactly what Rebecca said. Listen, a camel, again, can consume 27 gallons of water. 27 gallons of water. And they can go without water for eight days. 
okay? She's going to fill these camels up with water. She's running back and forth to the well to fill 10 camels up with 27 gallons each if they're completely dried out. It's going to take them 8 to 10 days. A camel can go uh, a week without water. It's right at the end. I have a feeling that they were, they were dry, pretty much dry, and they needed water. This woman not only gave Abraham a drink, she's very industrious. Rebecca is very industrious. She says, you know, she, and she's, she has compassion. He's thirsty. The camels are thirsty. I'm going to go get them some water. Not only you, sir, but the camels. And she brings all this water. You know how much weight that is to, to, for her to be carrying all that, all that drink around from the well to the camels, 10 of them? This woman wasn't afraid to hard work. She's a th- Proverbs 31 woman. She's a Proverbs 31 woman. Notice, two ladies, even though we find out that she was very beautiful, Eliezer could care less. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but the woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Eliezer, just like the Holy Spirit, is looking for a bride that has character, you know, that is chosen by God. Beauty is just an additional asset. She's a virgin, as we well know. In verse 15, and it shall happen, and it happened just as the servant prayed, Rebecca came out with a pitcher. God's timing, again, always perfect. In this case, it looks like Eliezer's prayer was answered immediately. There were women at the well, but uh, Rebecca came out after. She comes after the prayer. God's provision is perfect. She fits the condition that the servant has prayed, being of Abraham's family, being a daughter of Nahor, which is Abraham's brother. Verse 16. There's going to learn four things about Rebecca. I touched on a few of them. Now, see if you can pick them out as we go. Now, the woman, the young woman, she's young. The woman who is very beautiful to behold, a virgin, No man had known her, and she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please, let me drink a little water from your pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord, and quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him, you know, they carry it up on her head or her shoulders, and she gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also. This is a lot of water. Until they have finished drinking. So they were full. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trowel, ran back to the well to draw water and drew for his camels. And the man, wondering at her, remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Here she is. Not only did he get what she prayed, he prayed, but she's young, she's beautiful, and she's a virgin. She's probably like 15 to 20 years old max, okay? 
She's, she's uh, Isaac is probably, you know, he's about 35 years old. About 35. Remember, Rebecca, not Rebecca, but, but um, Sarah died at 127. She was 90 years old when she, when she had Isaac, remember? Abraham was 100. She was 90. That's 37 years. He's 37 years older. No, subtract the 15. You know, she's, she, she's, uh, he's older than her by, by a good 20 years plus, 25 years, a good estimation. She's a good candidate. You know, she answered what they, the servant prayed. So she passes the test that was of the prayer that was prayed. Verse 19, I will draw water for you and your camels also. She inc- it's really incredible when you think about it. She did exactly what the servant prayed. Exactly. And he's wondering. He's there like, can God answer that quick? Yes, he can. He can answer immediately or he can wait for the perfect timing. As you know, it was kind of astonishing what what he you know what he prayed. And she did it exactly to a T. So, as I said, she ran back to the well, drew for the camels. This reveals another thing about her. First, not only is she not only is she young, beautiful, and a virgin, she's very industrious. She has a lot of character. She's a woman of character. She's industrious. She's others-oriented. Others-oriented. You know, down here in Florida, it's like pulling teeth to get somebody to say hi to you unless you know them. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We were pretty friendly when I left there 30 years ago. She's a servant. Rebecca's a servant. She's generous on top of that. And she's hospitable. As I said, she's considerate. She's the Proverbs 31 woman in picture for you and me here today. God's working at both ends of this. He's working at Abraham's end. He's working at Eliezer's end. And he's working at Rebecca's end. Just exactly. And it's all going to come to fruition as we move along. God confirms that she's the one. Verse 22 through 28. Let me read it to you. 22. So it was when the camels had finished drinking. Drinking. That was my Pittsburgh accent. Drinking. Um, that the man took a golden nose ring weighing a half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrist, weighed ten shekels of gold, and, and said, Whose daughter are you? Tell me, please. Is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethel, Mechel's son, whom she bore to Nahor. So this is the granddaughter of um, of Nahor, Abraham's brother, and fed enough. We have straw and feed enough for and room to lodge. Then the man bowed down his head. Listen to this, and he worshipped the Lord, and he said, "Blessed be the Lord God, my master Abraham, of my master Abraham, who has not for 
forsaken his mercy and his truth towards my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. So, look at this. I know ladies and, you know, you don't like to go to the store and you see these people with nose rings. It's a custom. It's a custom in this country. Nose ring was not a bad thing to have. It was a custom of the people. He gives her a nose ring and two bracelets, and they weigh, I don't know if it's all, all, each one weighed 10 shekels of gold, or they all weighed 10 shekels of gold together. But they, they were expensive. Gold has always been very valuable. And I know when we get to heaven, the streets are made of gold according to the scriptures, and God's trying to show you I'm the one who's valuable. Jesus is the drawing card to heaven. Seeing Jesus, that is your gold to the 125th power. She's Abraham's family. You can find that also uh, about about Nahor in Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. When the, male bowed, the man bowed down and worshiped the Lord, this is the servant, you know, he bows down, he gives thanks, he worships the Lord because the Lord has made his journey successful. Listen, all, it's always a right reaction to answered prayer when you bow down and worship the Lord. That's all there is to it. Temptation. You, you know, you need to exalt. You're going to see that her brother, Laban, loves the gold more than, than the giver of the gold. Okay? Temptation is for mankind to exalt the gift and not the giver of that gift. At Christmas, God gave you a gift. He gave you a gift. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Well, you'd rather have, you'd rather leave God's gift under the tree and you'd open some gift from your, your loved one, which is a good thing to do. But God still has a gift under that tree for you. You need to go over there just like you grabbed your spouse's gift, you know, to you. You need to go to that tree, that gift that God has under the tree, and you need to open it up and receive it. And that's the gift of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the whole central theme of Christmas, receiving the gift that God has given to you. That's why we give gifts to people out of love. We give gifts to people because we love them. God gave us a gift. Don't leave it under the tree. Receive Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. And you know, as I said before, you'll never go wrong. Remember the ten lepers that Jesus healed in Luke 17? How many returned to thank him? Ten lepers were healed. One. One came back and, and bowed down before him and, and glorified God. One. God gives to us every day. The very next breath that you breathe is from God, and we need to give him glory every single waking minute.
The servant reveals he's on a mission in verse 27. I'll read 26 and 27. Then the male, 27, I already read 26. And he said, Blessed be the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth towards my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. So here's the servant in verse 27 saying, Being on the way, the Lord led me. That's walking by faith. And that's Romans 8, 14. We should walk by faith and not by sight. And that's what this servant was doing. This servant, remember, is a painted picture of the Holy Spirit. You know that when every time Jesus healed somebody in the Bible, he was depending on the Holy Spirit to to do it. Because he laid his... You know, he laid his glory behind. He had to have faith. The Lord Jesus had to have faith. When he walked on water, he had to have faith, just like you and I. So, the vital twin principle so far that we've seen in this passage so far is man has a responsibility of being on the way to God and God's sovereignty is the Lord has led me, as I testified to you. You know, I was on the way to finding God, but the Lord led me to that point in my life. And when I got to that point in my life and your life, you wouldn't be sitting here or listening on the air unless you came to that point on your life. When you realize that God's sovereignty, He sent His Son, but you have a responsibility to receive His Son as your Savior. And not everybody does that. There might be people out over the air that have not received Christ as their Savior. I suggest to you right now, you get on your knees. You know, now's the acceptable time. God says, at the proper time, when you asked me for something, I listened to you. And at the day of salvation, I saved you. He said, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. For those of you over the Internet that are listening, it's now. It's not tomorrow. Because the devil will make sure you forget. It's now you get on your knees and ask Jesus to come into your heart and repent of your sin. And the Holy Spirit will be there. The Lord stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone hears the knock and lets him in, he said he'll come in and he'll sup with you. No longer will he be outside the house. He'll be in the house with you. And that's what the Lord was saying to the church of Laodicea, the seventh church in the book of Revelation, chapter 3. He was saying, I stand at the door and knock. Let me in. They kicked him out. He's outside the church. The church of Laodicea is the, is the uh, rejection church. It's the church that has rejected Jesus. Jesus is out the outside of the church. You know, if Jesus is outside of the church, that puts God the Father outside the church and the Holy Spirit outside the church because all three are one. And that's not good for a church to, to reject Christ. It's not good for any, belie- any person to reject Christ. You need Christ as your Savior. I'll be finishing up here shortly in about five minutes. It looks like we're going to carry part of this into next week.
and I'll go into a review at the end of what we saw in the typology um, here. Let's see, verses 29 through 33. Now, the, Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran out to the men by the well. So it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist, and when he heard the words of his sister saying, Thus the man spoke to me, that he went to the man, and there he stood by the camels at the well, and he said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord, why do you stand outside? For I have prepared my house, the house, and a place for the camels. Then the man came to the house, and he unloaded the camels, and provided straw and feed for the camels, and the water to wash his feet, and the feet of the men who were with him. Food was set before him, but to eat. But he said, this is Eliezer, the servant. Okay, this is an important feature right here. The servant, here's what he said. I will not eat until I have told you my errand. My errand. And he said, speak on. Listen, that tells you something. This servant, the Holy Spirit, who is a picture of the Holy Spirit, is saying, my message is urgent. My message is urgent. Has the church gotten that today? This message is urgent. The Holy Spirit is drawing a bride out of the world, and this message is urgent. Every believer needs to know. You know what? If, you, if your father, mother, sister, brother, son, next-door neighbor, or enemy dies, and they don't have Jesus, I'm sorry, they have been assigned a place with the wicked. Because, not because they had committed adultery or they stole this or stole that, because they rejected the precious blood shed by the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross, and they treated it as unholy. Boy, when Jesus' blood ran down off the cross onto the ground, the very earth quaked. The very earth quaked because it was mourning, just like, just like Abel's blood cried out to God from the ground. The, the Savior's blood was crying out in all of creation. No wonder the, the sky turned dark and it was lightning and thunder. And I wouldn't be surprised if, 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 uh, if one of the, all the stars in heaven lost their light for that period of time. This is the Savior's blood. This is the blood of God Almighty. It's urgent that we get the message out there. You know, we got our brother Brett in Brazil, Pastor Brett, preaching over there. Thousands and thousands of people are getting saved. I read some things today. Like 30,000 people more were added to the kingdom of God over there. Most of them were Muslims. How many? How many? Huh? Africa. Yeah, Tanzania, Africa. But they're Muslims. Most of them are Muslims. It's urgent. You know why Brett's there? He's a 35-year-old young man. He's, he's, he has that urgency in his heart. And we, the church, need to have that urgency. Get them into the church in America. America's going post-Christianity. They're almost like England and France now. We're getting post-Christianity. We need to wake up. We need a revival in this church, in this world. And people say, well, I'm going to pray for revival, pray for revival. No, you pray for you. And you revive your own heart, and you fan that flame in your heart, and revival will start with you. 
and with me. I feel like Billy Graham up here. <laughs> this is urgent. But listen, his, her brother Laban is carnal-minded. He just cares about that gold. You see the flesh here? Rebecca is siding with, hey, man, there's something going on here. And Laban's there, oh, man, gold bracelets and, and golden earrings. Oh, boy. Don't get tied up in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life are not from the Father, but they're from the world. Laban is all messed up. Rebecca's the opposite. She responded to the servant who is the Holy Spirit before the gifts were given. Nahor, or not Nahor, Laban is responding here to the gifts. You see the difference? Rebecca's responding before any gifts were given. And same with you. You shouldn't be looking, I'll receive God if you do this or if you do that. Just give yourself to God, and God will take care of the rest. That's all there is to it. So Laban is moved by material possessions, and Rebecca is removing by faith. She has no idea what is going on here yet until the, the servant reveals it when next week when we come back. He's not going to eat. He's not going to drink. The servant, that's the Holy Spirit, picture of the Holy Spirit. He's not going to eat, he's not going to drink, until he tells them the urgency of this message. God the Father, Abraham, is looking for God the Son, Jesus Christ, a bride. And this is urgent, because the time is near. The day is almost over, the night is coming, and Jesus said, no man can work in the dark. It's a powerful chapter, and I hope you get my drift on it. It's a beautiful picture of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and us, the Bride of Christ, if you have accepted him as your Savior. If you have not, you need to bow on your knees right now. Just say a prayer, not with this, but with this. Because God don't look at the, your intellectual knowledge. He's looking at your heart knowledge. Remember he told, he told uh, Samuel to, you know, to go anoint David. He'd go, and go find a young man you know, in Jesse's household. And he said, but don't look on the outward appearance. Look at the inward appearance. And even Samuel missed it. He says, I looked at all your sons, and, and I don't, he's, none of them are one. You sure you don't have another son somewhere? Oh, yeah, I got this little old ruddy kid out in the field. He's probably 12, 13 years old, guarding a little bit of sheep. He said, send for him right now. He sent for him, and the Holy Spirit told Samuel, this is the one. God looks at the heart, not the outward appearance. So get on your knees. Repent of your sin. Ask Jesus to come in your heart, and his spirit will live there forever. And then come and follow him along with us. So tune in next week, next Thursday night, 7.15, and I'll finish up this chapter. It's a beautiful chapter, and we got two more chapters like it following, and you're going to love it. God's painting this beautiful picture for us. He painted this. Listen, 
This is about 1400 B.C. I reminded you that last week. 1400 B.C. This is, God has been doing this for, thir- has shown us this picture 20, 3400 years ago. 3400 years ago. We better get the message. And I hope you get it loud and clear tonight when you lay down your head in bed. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I give this message over to you. Yes, your word went forth. You promised in Isaiah 55, 11 that it will not return void without accomplishing what you set it forth to do. So, Lord, let it be done with those listening online or any of those sitting here tonight. And let Jesus be glorified. Let them get down on their knees. Ask Jesus into their heart. Let their Holy Spirit fall upon them with, with tongues of fire that they can't stop talking about their beautiful Savior, Jesus, who redeemed their life from the pit. To you be the glory, Lord God Almighty, for sending your Son and Jesus for, for coming and the Holy Spirit for revealing. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. I love you all. 715 next week. Amen. <laughs>